Hey, this is Lexi. This is Ari. And you're listening to Hotel Earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hotel Earth. My name is Ariana Halvai, and I am joined here by my beautiful and lovely soon-to-be lawyer co-host, Lexi Moorhead. Say hello, Lexi. Hello. Soon-to-be three years out. It's not that far. One day. It's it's in the near future. Three years is going to go by, you know, faster than you can say. Shit. That was fast. (laughs) My my professors, one of them keeps reminding us that um, it's less than a thousand days away. And that honestly, every time they say it, it makes my stomach drop to my butt. Oh. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow, that's so soon. That's pleasant. That's a pleasant thought. Thank you. Well, let me just go ahead and apologize for us taking a, uh, a small break last week. Um, as you guys know, Lexi and I work very hard to keep this podcast up and running and of the best quality that we can possibly manage but we also do have many other responsibilities outside of the podcast that keep us extremely busy so apologies um we try to keep the schedule tight and um as regular as possible but as you know we are human and sometimes things happen so big apologies but rest assured this episode will not disappoint no no it will not and i think it's gonna fill some no pun intended fill some gaps maybe in some understanding of some topics we've covered along the way i know we've been referencing like a lot of previous episodes in newer episodes Mm -hmm. this is gonna be an episode that can be applied to almost every single thing we've talked about from the beginning of the episode yeah totally agree i think this episode answers or at least expands upon many topics and questions we've discussed in the past um so yeah i'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation but first i would like to ask lexi a random question and i would like to answer the random question what are you interested in that most people haven't heard of um i i well mm, words i don't know if you could say like a lot of people aren't necessarily interested in this but as i've said before um malcolm gladwell is like my favorite mind of all time and he has a book one time you did tell me that bill gates was your favorite mind of all time no 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 no. i would also like to state for the record i'm not saying i am a fan of bill gates when the question was asked about who you could have dinner with from anyone in history i said him only because that guy has his hands in so many pots that he actually has like you know the scoop He's got the T. Yeah. It's not because okay. I want to be buddies with Bill Gates. I had someone else say that to me the other day. They were like, oh, you really like Bill Gates? And I was like, no, that's not what I said. Clarification. Clarification <laughs> for the record, your honor. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's not. 
Bill Gates. But anyway, so Malcolm Gladwell, brilliant mind. Um, I don't want to just have dinner with him. I want him to be like my mentor, my friend, my colleague. That's what I'm working towards. He has a book called Outliers, and it basically just talks about how time and place really does impact so much of what happens in your life. And I think that book has like really changed my perspective on life in general and people and really solidified the idea of, you know, how we get from where we're born to, you know, 20 years down the line. It's just, it's all so interconnected. Things are not random, as we would like to say, like, sure, random accidents can happen, but a lot of what we experience is actually very much just tied to time and place. Um, And it can be traced from, you know, where I sit in this chair right now in San Francisco can be traced pretty steadily all the way back to the time that I was born. So that's something that I'm really interested in whenever people tell their stories. It's something that I'm thinking about, like, oh, when's your birthday? Where were you born? What's your family like? Like, that's the kind of stuff that Mm -hmm. I think about. So I don't know if that totally makes sense. I'm definitely interested. And you know, know, um, Sam Harris kind of touches upon this topic a bit as well. And I'm actually, I don't know if Sam Harris has ever had Mm, I don't know if he's ever referenced Malcolm Gladwell himself. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check that. But he he does touch on this topic a bit when he when he you know discusses the free will versus uh, destiny debate. Yeah, and it's such a fascinating it's such a fascinating conversation. I highly recommend people go check that episode out. It, it's got to be a few years old by now, but it's an incredibly insightful deep dive into how free will is basically bullshit. Yeah. And how destiny is also bullshit. Like it's just, yeah. a, it's basically like a, neither, neither one truly exists. Like as Lexi just said, everything is quite circumstantial, whether you like to believe it or not. It and is. you don't actually ever have truly the free range of choice um, based on, time and place based on um circumstantial situations you you don't have the freedom of choice in reality i agree i think a powerful combination for those who like to read read the book outliers and then read the power of habit and a lot of and things then after will that, make a lot of sense go listen to sam harris's podcast episode. there you go perfect but um thanks lex thanks for that that uh very insightful little bit about something that you're interested in that most people haven't heard of i loved that thank you thank you and i think today's topic is something that whether people realize it or not they have heard of and they should absolutely be interested in this is something that should not be obscure yes i totally agree as per usual lexi is the queen of segues today we're talking about carbon sequestration and while that may sound super boring and super nerdy i promise this should be of interest to literally everybody especially our fellow residents here at hotel earth and that is because carbon sequestration is genuinely one of the potential solutions to the current climate crisis we're facing um and it is in fact a completely naturally occurring phenomenon that happens here on earth um so 
I guess what we should do first is just kind of like explain exactly what it is and then we can go into how it's relevant to the Hotel Earth, you know, conversations that we tend to have. Yeah, I think that's that's a solid that's a solid game plan. Um, Carbon sequestration is is linked to the carbon cycle, which I think most people probably did learn about in either middle school or high school science class. But we're we're going to break it down really quick. And by by that, I mean, uh, bear with me for the next five minutes while I nerd out over this. So carbon sequestration is a process where carbon is taken out of the atmosphere and stored somewhere else. Think of it kind of like a vacuum, sucking the the, the particles out and storing or it. Or for our galaxy nerds, like a black hole. Perfect. Ciao. See ya. This process typically happens naturally in soil and in our oceans, but it can also be done by human intervention, which is primarily what we're going to focus on the, the latter half of today's episode. Carbon, she's a finicky little element. and I sure, love that carbon is feminine. <laughs> everything comes from... I like that. Uh, I like that reasoning. Never mind. I was going to reference Tupac, and then I was like, I... Uh, just me saying that, you all get the reference. Anywho... So like I was saying, carbon is super finicky and, you know, life definitely needs carbon. It is essential. But saying, you know, too much of a good thing really is true here. For a really deep dive on carbon as a greenhouse gas, you can check out episode four, Coastal Convos with Chrissy Pickett. Um, But we're actually primarily just going to focus on like how carbon works in our system and how and why it's such a big deal when we talk about climate change Um, and primarily like how it has become an issue in climate change, I think. So to prime our conversation today, let's do a quick and dirty lesson on the carbon cycle. Are you ready? I'm so ready, baby. All right, cool. Carbon is an element that naturally exists all around us. I think everybody knows that, everybody can agree. Plants, for instance, use CO2, which is a form of carbon dioxide, or I guess not a form, but it is carbon dioxide, to help them convert energy from the sun to carbohydrates, which they can use as energy. And that's called photosynthesis. I think most people are probably pretty familiar with that. If you have a house plant or if you've ever touched grass, they need photosynthesis to stay alive. Humans and animals alike eat plants from time to time. At least you probably should, unless you're a literal carnivore. And if you're a person, I hate to break it to you, but you're not a fucking carnivore. You're an omnivore. Anyways, as a a part of our byproducts in um, that process, the one that you do in your private time, hopefully away from others, CO2... I do not want to dive into this anymore. Nope. uh, Me either. We are not that kind of podcast. CO2 is released into the atmosphere in that process. Microorganisms also get in the mix around this time. See, as plants and other things decompose, microorganisms will come in to help break them down. And when they do that, you guessed it, CO2 is released into the atmosphere. Lexi, you haven't said a word about fossil fuels. Where do these come in? I'm so glad you asked. Let me segue. If you didn't know, fossil fuels were once plants and animals. You see, when this organic matter, aka plants and animals, became buried millions of years ago, they experienced intense pressure that converted them into fossil fuels. 
humans then around the time of wealth I was going to say the Industrial Revolution, but as we discussed in the fossil fuel episode, way, way, way before that, humans began taking the CO2-filled fossil fuels out of the ground and began burning them. Just as the CO2 helped the plants make the energy, it also helps us make energy. So let me just pause for a moment and see that this makes sense. So we as plants and animals take in the CO2, then we pass away and the CO2 stays mostly within us when we're buried. And then if we become a fossil fuel, like fossil fuels did, the CO2 is still in there. And then when you is burn it? the fossil fuel, the CO2 that was in there pops out. Does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Cool. Very well explained. Thank you. So the issue, if you didn't catch that, is that when the fossil fuels are burned, that CO2 is then put out into the the atmosphere. Millions of years worth of stored CO2. Just, and I just motioned with my hand like a little poof. Poof. A little chow. Chow. See ya. Like most natural processes, there is a checks and balances to CO2 that happens naturally, like we alluded Mm -hmm. to. Mm Mm-hmm. And we all should know that humans and animals exhale CO2 as a byproduct when we breathe. Like I was saying, CO2, carbon, she's all around us at all times. She is necessary for life. And like we covered earlier, plants like to take in some of that CO2. Trees, for instance, take in that CO2 and store it. But when we deforest the number of plants available to store, capture that carbon reduces, thus leaving more CO2 in the atmosphere. So let me recap one more time. Humans are burning fossil fuels, which releases millions of years, millions, millions (laughs) of years of CO2 that has been accumulated in the atmosphere. And humans are also deforesting, which leads to less natural uptake of CO2 from the atmosphere. Has anyone heard of the expression burning the wick at both ends? I think you're like, in addition to deforestation as well, there's so many other natural carbon sequestration systems we're destructing that are contributing to an excess of CO2 into the atmosphere. Obviously, we'll get into it in a bit in a bit. But there's also the soil crisis, which we've touched on yep. in modern agriculture. Yep. Oceans are one of the biggest carbon sinks, wetlands. And we've literally discussed every single one of these on this podcast before and how we're threatening their ability to actually properly function and properly sequester carbon um, as a result of some of these modern industrial practices we're doing. Yeah, exact, a- exactly. That last part, the part before the deforestation is our primary focus today, the carbon sequestration. And like Ari just said, we've covered a plethora of examples, some of them that I'm going to go through again with some uh, quantifiable metrics next to them. The first one that we want to talk about are oceans. The ocean oceans absorb about 25% of CO2 that's emitted by humans annually. But like I've said, 
when you're releasing millions of years worth of CO2 that's been stored, in addition to other practices that mess up the carbon cycle, you can imagine that although 25% is a lot, it's not enough. And honestly, too much CO2 in the ocean leads to acidification, which is really not good. Not good. No. Um, another another thing to touch on with ocean specifically is things like uh, sea level rise and rising temperatures, uh, average temperatures of our oceans annually are also contributing to the, the ocean's ability or inability rather to no longer sequester carbon properly because yep. a lot of the sequestration of carbon comes from healthy coral reefs, plant life, which are as a result of the reasons I just said, sea level rise, rising temperatures of the oceans are no longer able to function properly. No. And with acidification, you can have, you can have cast, I mean, not you can have, we are having cascading effects, especially with our species that have um, carapaces. So basically like shells to protect them, like shrimp, um, <laughs> the more acidified, if that's the right word, the ocean becomes the thinner those shells become. And I mean, they, they need those shells to live. So if you get to a point where um, like clams can't make their shells or shrimp can't have their carapaces actually protect them, they start dying. And what eats those? Well, other fish and mammals and species that live in the ocean. And then they start dying because they don't have enough food. And you can see that cascade. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go into the, the life, mm -hmm. the food chain here, but yeah. Anywho, the next one that we have talked about and we're going to touch on right now uh, is soil. So plants, obviously, like we've said, store CO2 in the ground during photosynthesis. And that also uh, is disturbed when we have un I'll call it unsafe, honestly, because that's what it boils down to being unsafe soil practices, farming practices, um, just development practices, because this also comes down to us clearing land for things to go in like homes. Um, and then the last one that I want to talk about that's like a natural process are forests. So you can think grasslands, um, old forests, and honestly, any kind of place that's left undisturbed for decades. Forests also capture about 25% of global CO2 emissions and store them in their bodies, their entities, whatever you want to call it. I mean, between oceans, soil, um, wetlands, and forests, we're talking about majority of the atmospheric CO2 that could or should be stored should in be. these carbon sinks that's no longer functioning. Right. That is so severely unfortunate. And I'm sure Ari's going to nerd out here pretty soon because I'm going to talk about one of her favorite things, rocks. But geological carbon sequestration is something that humans play a part in because that is where we take CO... It's usually done at point source locations, so think... <laughs> energy producing sites oil factories fields. yeah uh, literally like the where exactly where the emissions are coming from right any kind of any any factory or anything like that where it's literally pumping gases and bullshit into the atmosphere it literally just captures it right there usually liquefies it yes. and injects it into rock exactly 
And this is definitely a technological process, but there's other technological carbon sequestrations that are being developed as we speak in an effort to find ways to effectively capture carbon quickly and to help slow climate change. All right, Ari, I've got a question for you. I think it's going to be a really hard one for you to answer. What is your favorite carbon sequester? This is a great question. And personally, between between biological carbon sequestration and artificial carbon sequestration, um, I definitely choose biological because artificial does have a few issues that I'll get into in a little bit. But of the biological ones, I really, it's, I don't know if I can choose. They're all so important. I have a weird thing for soil. Don't ask. Love what soil can do. But also oceans are incredibly important and severely threatened as well as wetlands um, and forests for that matter. They're all incredibly important. Um, so if I had to choose between biological and, and the geological carbon sequestration, which is the artificial route, I'm definitely choosing biological and I think our listeners will, will explain, will um, understand why in just a moment. But do you have a favorite? I specifically really favor the grasslands. Of okay. And I'm, I'm definitely more team bio than team tech. But I do yeah. understand that I think we need to have some serious technological intervention to, yeah, that's fair. to get us back on track. Especially because um, oceans uptaking a lot of CO2 has some really negative ramifications which is why we're seeing mm-hmm. the issues that we are in our oceans yeah but grasslands yeah. are something that can like pretty quickly um capture co2 and store it and keep it safe and you don't have to wait for mm-hmm. the trees to get all big and tall so i would say grasslands for the moment okay i i respect that answer thank you and i think a lot of listeners may be asking like okay this is cool and all but like why are we diving so far into some scientific process that like we can't do much about maybe question mark question mark you know question mark question mark um and so basically you know why why are we even talking about this like why is this even a a topic of conversation well if that if it wasn't obvious already let's dive into it a little bit further frankly you've probably heard about the why Many times before, I mean, the modern world has relied far too heavily on fossil fuel as an energy as on fossil fuels as an energy source. And now we're dealing with CO2 excess in the atmosphere, as Lexi said, and creating a global insulator and resulting in global temperature increase, breaking new records every single year. I mean, this year we had another record breaking temperature uh, and temperatures across the world. Um... And carbon sequestration is one of the most important natural processes that keeps the atmospheric carbon levels in check. But with extensive CO2 emissions, industrial agriculture that is ruining our soil, and average sea temperatures rising, causing an imbalance in our ocean sequestration's abilities, we're noticing that carbon isn't getting sequestered at the rate it's being emitted, basically. Right. And this is why the climate conversation goes far beyond just emissions right. so to speak we need to think of all the moving parts and of course when i say we i don't mean you the individual are responsible for this phenomenon obviously um while lex and i believe it's important to stay educated and make green choices to the best of your abilities we believe true progress will be made on the systemic level i'm talking government reform major industry shifts etc exactly but 
The moving parts to which I'm referring are incredibly important to understand at the very least, because yes, emissions need to be reduced, but there's also the need to reform modern agriculture to take better care of our soil. There's the need to stop mass deforestation and use the natural resources in moderation, Mm -hmm. extracting only at the rate at which the resource can be replenished. There's the need to take good care of our oceans and our wetlands and monitor its chemical properties as well as temperature and sea level rise, plus so much more. The list genuinely is quite endless right now. But each of the examples provided above are carbon sequesters. If we take care of them, they literally have the ability to take carbon out of the atmosphere and store it in carbon sinks. We literally could reverse the effects of climate change. It's a huge conversation. It's a huge uh, solution that we really should be focusing on because, yes, while we should be focusing on lowering emissions always, we also really need to be focusing on the natural processes that exist that can actually remove it from the atmosphere. Like, why? Let's just kill two birds with one stone here. As in? And as Lex mentioned, there are even artificial carbon sequestration technologies being developed to mimic the abilities of the natural carbon sequesters we've mentioned today. In essence, carbon sequestration is a very big deal. Huge. Huge. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> I think we should go into maybe a few examples of artificial carbon sequestration. Um, so we already kind of touched on the point source capture and turning the gas into a liquid and injecting it into um, into rock. But there's also some other things going on that maybe we should we should discuss. Yeah. One of them is graphene. Um, Carbon dioxide can actually be used as a raw material to produce a product known as graphene, which is a technological material used to create screens for smartphones, as well as other tech devices. Mm -hmm. Graphene production is obviously limited to specific industries, but it is an example of how carbon dioxide can be used as a resource and a solution in reducing emissions from the atmosphere. I'm just going to go and say I'm not crazy about this one personally, as it still promotes waste and you know uh useless products but whatever you know let's roll with it (laughs) i mean it is using something that shouldn't be in excess and using it for something we're probably going to be needing to produce anyway so i guess in that way it's positive if every new product could just incorporate it and exclude whatever it's replacing i guess maybe it would just balance out but I, I get it. We gotta work. We gotta work with the with the capitalistic trends. I understand. Whatever's. I'm just. It's not my favorite solution, but okay. I get it. I Agreed. Get it. There's also direct air capture, which is sort of what we already talked about. It's also referred to as DAC, and this is where um, this captures carbon directly from the air using advanced technology plants. We must say this process is energy intensive and expensive so while the technique can be effective it's a bit too costly to implement on a mass scale that sounds almost like a nexus like we're capturing carbon to take it out of the atmosphere and we're releasing carbon because we're burning energy it's not it's not great but another option that's been uh in this carbon sequestration conversation and i'm sure that there's lots of uh startups 
and movements to make that more efficient and more affordable. So we'll see, we'll keep track of that. Engineered molecules is another one. Scientists <laughs> are now working on engineering molecules that can change shape by creating new kinds of compounds capable of singling out and capturing carbon dioxide from the air. These molecules act as a filter, not only attracting the element it was engineered to seek. That's pretty cool. It sounds like a magnet. Like It's cool, but is anyone else getting like Jurassic Park vibes? I don't know. I don't like the idea of us putting some artificial like i don't know compounds and molecules out with it's, the it's intention to do something bees. good and then what it's happens if it, like, yeah what happens if it backfires and some really fucked up shit happens i don't know i don't Ari, like that, that would but, never I mean, happen come on come on give me a real example where we've done that before come on I'm kidding. I'm being completely uh, facetious. The look We're I joking. just gave Lexi was like, <laughs> bitch, you got to go read. Okay. Um, so let's just say I think it's best to first fix. This is obviously a personal opinion. Um, I actually haven't even discussed this with Lexi, but I do personally think it's best to first fix the natural carbon sequestration methods first before we head to a lab and create a monster by mistake. <laughs> It's a hot take. I think it holds water. Um, I yeah, I'd because like there's to a actually, lot of work that needs to be done. I'd like to actually respond to that. I agree. I think the focus really does need to be on our natural systems because here's here's the issue. We have exacerbated the situation in these areas to the point where they can't really function. And I think it would be really negligent to take our focus off of them and only be looking at the carbon sequestration of it all, right? Like. When we talk about wetlands and their ability to sequester carbon, we also need to think about the fact the reason we have an issue with them sequestering is because we are destroying them. Um, So I completely agree. I think the focus really does need to be on taking care of our natural resources first. Yeah. And I think there there is a a way for us to do both simultaneously. You know, if people want to be looking uh like if half the people want to be looking at tech and how it can help us sequester more carbon that's cool that's well and fine but i don't think our like i don't want to say tax dollars but i can't really think of a comparison i don't think our tax dollars should be going to that i think if anything they should be going to our governments taking responsibility to clean up the areas that need the most help right i think taxpayer dollars should go to as you just said, governments taking care of the areas that need the most help, that's particularly going to be the natural systems that we've, that these governments and industries have contributed to destroying. I think the tech solutions should be capitalistic endeavors that should Agreed. be coming from venture capital, that should be coming from private investors. That's a fucking business opportunity. Please go help fix, go. Yeah. But I think government and taxpayer dollars should be taking care of the natural systems and should be ta- focusing on fixing those because that was single-handedly destroyed by uh, government allowing it and industry h- having lack of regulation, basically. 100%. Um, and, you know, technology is completely entangled in most things that we do nowadays. And I think mostly for the best, like Ari has said, it should probably be the capitalistic side of things, which our government should stay out of. Our governments should not be involved <laughs> in trying to make money. <laughs> They're just supposed to take care of us. Anyways, 
Um, AI specifically, nice thank you. AI specifically sh- could play a really big role here. And that's going to be like the thing that we wrap up this conversation with today. AI, AI, AI. E-I-E-I-O. Wow, where to even begin? Um, <laughs> AI is unavoidable, guys. It's everywhere. If you think you don't like it, it's too late. It's already here. So sorry. Um, and AI, of course, plays a part in this. We can't escape it. So we might as well work with it here. A few moments ago, we were talking about the point source capture of factories, of industries themselves, and uh, the geologic uh, injection method. Mm-hmm. AI is playing a really big role in this process at the moment. For example, um, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Lexi, maybe you know. I think it's I maybe don't. like, maybe the N is silent. Vidya or Nidvia. Nvidia, tomato, tomato, Nvidia. It's a huge um, American multinational technology company and world leader in artificial intelligence computing. So apologies if I said that incorrectly. If anyone knows how to say that, please let a girl know. But they are harnessing um, this type of like acceleration. Uh, technology to assist in the capture of carbon at point source, converting it um, into an easily transportable liquid and using AI very meticulously and diligently injecting the liquid into the earth 800 plus meters down for storage. Uh, The reason AI can play a really big role here is for accuracy, for mapping to see where it should be placed, not to... um, you know not to inject anywhere that could be causing more harm down the line exactly causing other natural phenomenon to erupt like hurricanes jesus fucking christ uh hurricanes come from the ground (laughs) i meant earthquakes and other um seismic activity right exactly Um, and plumes because when you put co2 into the ground you have to be careful it's not going to just leak out into other places it's not supposed to be absolutely or you know accidentally pumping it into an aquifer or groundwater you know this kind of stuff so this is where ai plays a really big role for mostly for mapping uh the areas we don't humans can't see right um so yeah i mean ai plays a really big role into uh human um induced carbon sequestration and that kind of technology so if you're interested in that kind of thing, definitely, you know, do some research and keep an eye out for how that's progressing because it's making yeah. a pretty big impact. Uh, as we said, it is pretty expensive at the moment. So I don't know if that's like the big, the biggest, uh, most accessible solution, um, but it's something that, you know, it's it's playing a role in the cleanup at the moment. So yes, 100%. What do you, what do you think though about putting CO2 it deep into the ground where it wouldn't have gone otherwise i don't know Uh, this is just me being skeptical no 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 no. i i think it's it's worth being skeptical i personally don't really like fracking to start with for any reason i would put this kind of in that same category of i'm suspicious i like the idea of using ai because um so for I didn't realize this until we looked into it. So I'm just going to answer probably a question that someone's thinking. The AI can't necessarily see things that we don't know about, right? It's not like it's going in with binoculars and like looking at the rock and being like, oh, guys, hey, look, this is here. You didn't know about it. 
No, 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 no. It's taking the yeah. information that humans have compiled and it is just able to process it faster. And compute. It's it's basically, exactly. it's working really with probability and statistics more than anything. Yes. And it's doing it at a rate that humans aren't capable yeah. of doing. So what it, the it's whole... for reliability and accuracy, well, to be more accurate than maybe a human would be able to and, themselves. And faster too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how many man hours does it take for a per- an engineer to do this? 70? Well, AI can do it in seven minutes. So its ability yeah. to cut back on that time is why it's so important and can have such an accelerating effect. Yeah. But the issues of fracking still remain and the AI right now is at least in this particular instance doesn't necessarily make it less of an issue. I'm not a big fan of fracking. That's kind of my soapbox. Could my mind be changed? Absolutely. I think everyone's minds should be able to be influenced if new and better information enters them. Yeah. Um, But that's my stance at the moment. Yeah. I'm just more team fix our modern agricultural practices, take care of our wetlands, take care of our oceans, take care of our forests. I'd love to see AI help us do that. Yeah. And I'm sure there are lots of plans that we don't know about that are working toward that so exactly they're probably patented or trade secrets or something else listeners copyright i'm in law school stay tuned stay tuned maybe we will do an episode of how ai is assisting with these kinds of processes down the future down the line so stay tuned i think that would be a cool episode i agree but that's all we got uh, if you would like to stay in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Hotel Earth Podcast. You can find us on TikTok at Hotel Earth Pod. You can send us an email at Hotel Earth Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also do us a solid by liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, sending to a friend, and also giving us feedback we absolutely love hearing Mm -hmm. from you all and hearing what you want to hear more of what you want to hear less of and um everything else in between she just said it beautifully guys i have nothing to add um, except for i love you thanks for listening and we'll be back with another episode next week yes we will ciao for now hasta la pizza bye bitches bye bitches